Hello, you're listening once again to the Euro Trips Across the Pod NFL podcast. This time, it's a turn of our Atlanta Falcons season preview, and we bring back a returning guest in none other than third and goals, Rob. Hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to the Euro Trips Across the Pod podcast. This week, we are back for another edition of our NFL season previews, and this time it's a turn of the Atlanta Falcons. And our guest today, our fan of the Falcons, the returning guest, best known for his work on the Third and Gold podcast. I've got back with me, Rob. How are you, Rob? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Andy. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Good to have you on. I can't think when I last spoke to you on this podcast. It must have been a good while ago since I last had you on the pod, I believe. I think it was. Sometime during last season, I think. I think yeah. I came on and went through a, a week's game review, I think. Uh, yeah. I can't remember what week it was. That's right. I, um, think the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins lost there, and probably the Falcons did as well. Oh, <laughs> maybe it was when you beat us. Maybe it was then, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, no, it's especially the start of the year, definitely probably was. <laughs> if it was the start of the season especially, it would have been... Definitely a lot of both of us. Uh, but yeah, how's the podcast going? I've been listening to a few of your season previews that you've done yourselves on your podcast. How have they been going? Yeah, they've been going well. We've missed a few weeks here and there um, for various reasons in the off-season. Obviously, Fred um, is busy with a newborn child and a new job, which is mm. more than he expected. So he's taken a step back. Um, and we've got Jamie in now, who's a Jets fan. Um, so he's helping us out. So yeah, all going well so far. We Like I say, we missed a few because I had COVID, Dan had COVID and a um, few other things happening, the hot weather as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sort of decided on a hot day a couple of weeks ago, like, I, you know, I think I'm going to go and sit in a beer garden instead. So we, uh, we put it off and moved a few things around, but hopefully we're back every week now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's going well. Um, one thing that hasn't been going well, you would say, is the Falcons. And their off-season has seen many ins and outs. Uh, main outs include Mike Davis, uh, Josh Rosen, not really a main out, but Tashi Sharp, Jiren Harmon, Foya Sade, Alukun. But obviously the main out was Matt Ryan. His replacement was Marcus Mariota. Other ins include Casey Hayward, uh, Damian Williams, Auden Tate and Brian Edwards, as well as re-signing the likes of Young Wei Koo, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus, as well as uh, people like Cordell Patterson and uh, Grady Jarrett, as well as drafting in the first round, Drake London, eighth overall, and then other tra- main draft picks include 38th overall in defensive end, Arnold Eberkirti, and also linebacker in the 58th overall pick in Troy Anderson, as well, of course, as Desmond Ridder, uh, Cincinnati quarterback, 74th overall. So, as a Falcons fan, Rob, how have you found the off-season as a whole for your team? Um, I think initially what we've done, we've been carrying a huge amount of dead cap space and we've had zero cap space to use and work with left by the previous regime. So, the new GM and head coach coming in have found themselves in a real dire, dire situation. And I think they've made good moves this off-season to basically clear it. And next season, we're looking at having something like 135 million or something like that in cap space, I think. So 
there is light at the end of the tunnel that as long as they do their jobs right and do some good business and aren't too stupid that we can start to rebuild this team. And I think the building blocks now are in place with a lot of young players that we've got. We've got plenty of young players on offense. Our defense is really young. And we've brought Ryan Pace in, the ex-general manager of the Chicago Bears, and he is vice president of personnel or something like that. And a lot of Falcons fans are upset because we seem to be signing a hell of a lot of ex-Chicago Bears thinking that he's having um, a lot of input in this and maybe too much. But I think what they're forgetting is that we've not got a lot of cap space this season to work with. We're signing these guys to cheap one-year deals. And I think what it is, is it's we know we've not got a lot of cap space. Let's pad the roster out with one-year deals, with people that we know, players that we trust, players that we know are going to work hard. And then they've got a year to prove themselves. And then next year, if they don't, we can let them go. We've got a bucket load of cap space and we can really look at revamping the roster. So I've not really got an issue with Ryan Pace bringing in a lot of Chicago Bears or having his input to Terry Fontner to do that. We've also signed quite a lot of ex-Tennessee Titans. I've not got an issue with Arthur Smith having his input on that. Um, I do think that going back to these teams that our senior personnel have been at before know these players on one-year deals is probably quite shrewd rather than going out and getting other players on vet minimum contracts that we don't know for one year. Um, it seems like a shrewd way of doing things for me. Um, and I think, obviously, if we're going to be signing next Chicago Bears for the next three, four seasons, then it's not going to work out well. But I do think that it's, it is just a, we know what we've got to work with this year and it's not a lot. So let's go out and get those sort of guys. And talking of obviously looking at the future, I mentioned before you drafted Desmond Ridder, but also did bring in Marcus Mariota. So you've got someone there for the future as well as uh, someone who's been there as well. Also an ex-Titan, you mentioned it before. In terms of, from your perspective, Rob, how would you play out the situation? Would you just play Ridder straight away? Would you let him sit for a year behind Mariota? How would you sort of go about it in terms of having one new guy, a new quarterback who's old and experienced and one new quarterback who's young and come out of college? Um, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, first to start off with, obviously you touched upon it, Matt Ryan was traded to the Colts. Um, I don't know if you listened to any of our podcasts around the time that happened, but I was pretty vocal on that. that I was disgusted with the Falcons at that point. And I think that Terry Fontenot has done a brilliant job with what he's had so far. But I think the Deshaun Watson situation left a bad taste in a lot of Falcons fans' mouths, and rightly so, I think. Um, there are rumours that it came from Arthur Blank, the owner, because um, Deshaun Watson is an Atlanta Falcons fan, I believe, and I know that he knows our owner very well, um, and he used to go see the Falcons when he was a kid, so they've got a relationship there. Um, but I think, despite that, it was the wrong call to go after him so aggressively. And all that did at the time was burn the bridges with Matt Ryan, who, whatever people think of him, um, he didn't deserve that after playing his entire season with us. 
yeah, he's had a tough time the last couple of seasons, but he's not had an offensive line. He's not had an awful lot to work with offensively. Um, and the defence has left the offence out to dry at times as well. So um, I think that was real harsh on Matt Ryan, who said that he wanted to stay with the Falcons for the rest of his career. But when it became apparent they were going to pursue Deshaun Watson, he had to look after himself. And what happened then, we were left with neither Matt Ryan nor Deshaun Watson. Um when I take a step back and look at it, I can see the benefits from a cap point of view. If we'd have looked to move Matt Ryan on early in the offseason and left ourselves without a quarterback, I think I'd have been fine with that. I think what I don't like about it is the way that it all transpired with just out of nowhere as aggressively going after Sean Watson and then Matt Ryan then obviously had a bad taste in his mouth and said, well, look, you know, I want to go. And I think it was just the wrong way to do things. But yeah, from that point on, we didn't have a quarterback. We've gone out and signed Marcus Mariota, who um, has worked with Arthur Smith before at the Titans, obviously lost his job there for Ryan Tannehill. Um, I feel like, you know, there's not a lot really to be excited about, I guess, in a way with Marcus Mariota. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say that it's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Um, I know a couple of seasons ago, people saying if Derek Carr didn't get off to a good start, then Marcus Mariota was probably the best backup in the league and could probably do a starting job for them. And you know what? Derek Carr's had a great couple of seasons and the Raiders are doing a great job in filling that roster out and trying to make it competitive in what is a hugely competitive AFC and they're in an extremely competitive division as well. Um but I think he's going to be a lower-end, serviceable quarterback at best. I think that's all we can hope for. Um, Desmond Ridder, you know what? I love the pick where it was. <clears throat> I was seeing mock drafts of us drafting Malik Willis at eight. He went in the third round as well. Um, I saw Desmond Ridder getting drafted in the top 10 in mock drafts. And I think if you draft a quarterback in the first round, particularly in the top 10, um, we look at the Chicago Bears taking Mitch Trubisky at two overall, and that didn't work for them. And they'll be kicking themselves because uh, Patrick Mahomes was in that same draft and went 10th overall to the Chiefs. Uh, so there's a lot of expectation on a quarterback in the top 10. And I think if we'd have picked one at eight in this quarterback draft, which was weaker than normal, then there'd have been a lot of expectation, a lot of draft capital spent on somebody that there was a lot of question marks about. Taking somebody who was mocked to go in the first round, in the third round at quarterback, I think is really good value because if it doesn't work out, then all we've spent is a third round pick and we can afford to move on from that. We spent our first round, our eighth overall pick on Drake London. Um, that didn't massively excite me at the time, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I think Desmond Ritter in the third round is a great piece of business. I think the way the season is going to go is Marcus Mariota is going to get the starting job to start. But I think they will definitely, definitely want to see Desmond Ritter in a get a good number of snaps and a good number of games potentially towards the back end of the season because if we're going to be drafting in the top three, four, five next season 
and you look at the quality of quarterbacks which are going to be available, then they're going to, going to want to know, is Desmond Ritter our guy or not? So they're going to want to see him on that field. So I think Mario is going to start and it'll be his job to lose initially, but Desmond Ritter is going to get plenty of games and plenty of snaps as well, I'm sure of it. Yeah, I think he's starting to see. I think as well with the cap room you mentioned you have, I think in terms of the next offseason, it's going to be really interesting to see how you guys play it, whether you, uh, who, you, who you get in free agency, who you go out and try and trade for. I think it's going to be a really interesting, because, you know, callback situation still not completely clear because Marcus Mouter is obviously obviously a bridge gap and also Desmond Ritter could be an absolute disaster in training. So I think if both flows don't work out, I think next next summer as well, you could easily see them back in the market again for a callback, whether that's a veteran that's already in the game or whether that's in the draft. So I think I think it's going to be interesting. But in terms of your point of view, in terms of this season, what would you say represents progress for this team? Because obviously last year wasn't great. Um, so how would you sort of see a positive season for your team? I think progress is it's a difficult word to try and dissect when it comes to the Falcons and football because we look at last season and we somehow managed to win six games, which was incredible. I don't think we'll win as many games this season. But I feel like we, despite that, I think we are seeing progress in the roster the way that it's been built, we're getting these big contracts starting to expire. We're getting younger guys in. We're turning over the roster. I can see some nice pieces that we've, you know, we've drafted Drake London. If Calvin Ridley, I'm still unsure whether he will ever play for the Falcons again, even if he does come back. But if he does, you know, we could have Calvin Ridley and Drake London next season, not this coming season, the season after. Obviously, we've got Kyle Pitts at tight end. Um, Tyler Algier, who signed, uh, drafted at running back. We'll have to wait and see what he can do. But the running game has been difficult for us uh, the last couple of seasons. Cordell Patterson is obviously there. And he's obviously the last year he was used more like a Swiss Army knife at wide receiver, running back, um, receiving players more than actually physically running the ball. And defensively, there's a lot to like there as well. Um, so this year I'm looking at progress as being unsuccessful is that we're taking the team, the personnel and the cap space in the right direction. So I don't really want to sit every Sunday and watch the Falcons get beat, but I think we'll win less games than we will last season. But looking at the bigger picture, we'll be progressing for the long term. And... Finally, before we do head on to the final segment, uh, in terms of Matt Ryan, going back to him, in terms of, you know, if he goes to the Colts, like he has done and performs well and potentially gets Super Bowl and wins it, uh, as like almost not a surprise team, but no one, everyone has Bills probably as their favourite for the AFC. But if he was to do well there, how would you feel? Would you be a, Would it be a sense of being really happy for him? Because obviously being a Falcons, one of the best Falcons callbacks of all time, or would there be a case for you of maybe, or oh, what could have been? Um, I don't think a case of what could have been because when you look at the state of our roster now, if you you know you could put um, Herbert Mahomes, you, 
you could put any quarterback in there and we would not be in with a chance of winning the Super Bowl because of the state of our other roster. So I think our what could have been will have been the Super Bowl in 2016, which I'd rather not talk about too much. <laughs> but I feel like that was that was our chance. We blew that. And from there, uh, caps being squeezed, rosters degraded. So I don't think if Matt Ryan had stayed here for another season, two seasons, that we'd have ever been in with a chance of winning the Super Bowl. And I think by the time three seasons down the line comes down, we'll be in a will have been in a much better situation um, to maybe compete, but then it'll have been too late for Matt Ryan. So I think he is at the age where he's got one, two years left. Mm-hmm. He's gone to a team in the Colts that have got a really strong offense and a really strong defense. And I feel like, you know, last season they seemed to be performing well until Carson Wentz seemed to throw it away for them in the last game of the season and uh, they didn't make the playoffs. And I feel like they were probably a higher caliber quarterback away from not winning the Super Bowl, but getting into the playoffs and then who knows? And I think they know that and that's why they've gone out and got somebody like Matt Ryan who they know can do a job. They know he's got the experience. He's a much higher caliber than Carson Wentz. Um, So I feel like they will make the playoffs this season. I'm certain of it. And are they strong enough to compete with the Bills, the Bengals? Probably not. But, you know, you get into the playoffs and who knows what can happen. Exactly. Look at the Bengals last year. No one had them down as making it all the way to Super Bowl. But they did it. So, fingers crossed for Matt Ryan that he does do that. Um, the aforementioned final segment, which, of course, is the fan predictor so we give every fan a chance to go through each game of their team season and give prediction of whether they think it's a win loss or tie so your season starts off at home uh, against the new orleans saints <laughs> um you know this is where you've sort of oh, you've, you know i hate the saints and you know the next game is much easier i think uh, to predict which is the Rams in week two. But the Saints is like, I hate them with a passion. Um, I'm actually looking at what I've got down for, because on our on third and goal, we are running through divisional previews at the moment. And I've got the Falcons down as four and 13. Um, two and four in the division. So, yeah, I think the Saints are probably in a, better situation than us. I didn't think there would be with the um, cap space. They had to clear to even get under the cap this year and they've worked some sort of magic or they've got a magic money tree somewhere um, and they've, they've got another decent roster so it can't last forever but yeah, I think we'll lose to the Saints unfortunately in week one. And then week two doesn't get any easier on the road against the Super Bowl champions and the Los Angeles Rams. How are you feeling about that one? Um, yeah, not looking forward to that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I think where we are, where the Rams are, um, you know, I think the Rams are definitely going to be in the mix again for the NFC, for sure. So, uh, yeah, fortunately, it's another loss. <laughs> uh, week three, uh, 
small fable fixture um, on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I think the Seahawks are going to take a massive, massive step back mm. this year. Um, I don't really like the way they've gone about trying to churn their roster. And I think what they've done is they've just decided that everybody else in that division is too far ahead right now. So maybe if we blow up our roster before they do, we can rebuild and there'll be a window where we can then be the best team um, if we get the jump start on rebuilding a couple of years down the line. So, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> I think it's one of those games we've got to look at that's definitely winnable. So I'm going to stick my neck out and say that we'll get our first win in week three against the Seahawks. Okay. And then week four, mentioned the name before, Sean Watson's Cleveland Browns, which at the moment he's not going to be playing. So it looks like it's going to be, at the moment, going to be Jacoby Brissett or Josh Rosen if he's somehow in training camp lighted up. Um, win, loss or tie for that one? Um, the Browns have got definitely got some good pieces, particularly running backs. <clears throat> but I think with the way things have gone, you know, if it's Jacoby Brissett, that's not good for them. If it's Josh Rosen, that's even worse. He was at the Falcons last season and we gave him some, uh, I think he threw something like four balls and three of them were interceptions. Um, so I'm going to stick my neck out and say that this is another winnable game right now. So, yeah, so we'll win that one. Yeah, yeah, I think um, even if he's out for the whole season, if Hopefully, he does get suspension for the whole year. Uh, but I think even if it is someone else, like, you know, even if it is him, for example, say if you're playing in week 10 or 11, that's a lot of rest, a year and a half for that playing playing the game. So I think I think they're set for a, a testing year, let's say, on, on the pitch. Um, week five, on the road against a division rival in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, can't see anything coming from that at all. Yeah, not more, not much more than he said about that one. Um, week no. six, back at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I like the 49ers. I think a couple of seasons ago, they were a team for me that could have got to the Super Bowl if it wasn't for being decimated by injuries. <clears throat> they had a difficult time last season with quarterbacks as well. But, you know, it looks like this is going to be Trey Lance's year. I think they've still got a really good roster. So I don't think they're good enough anymore to get to the last stages of the playoffs. But I think they'll uh, they'll beat us, obviously. <laughs> um, week seven is on the road against the current AFC champions in the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, don't need to say much more on this either. I think the Bengals will uh, have an easy time that week. <laughs> uh, week eight at home to the Carolina Panthers. So, for me, I thought the Panthers were the worst team in uh, the NFC South. Um, obviously, they've gone out and got Baker Mayfield. Christian McCaffrey, with Baker Mayfield is going to be an upgrade on Sam Darnold. I felt like if they went into the season with Sam Darnold, it was you know going to be another torrid year for them. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I think, gets a bit of a rough time. He's not in that higher bracket, but you know, sort of middle of the road quarterback, I would say. Um, I think a lot of this is going to hinge on Christian McCaffrey and whether he can stay fit. In the last two seasons, when he's been injured, 
even when he's managed to play a couple of games, he looks like the old Christian McCaffrey. It doesn't look like the injury has slowed him down whatsoever. His issue is that he then gets injured again. And then he comes back and he looks like the old Christian McCaffrey. And then he gets injured again. So if McCaffrey can stay fit, he can change games for the Panthers on his own. Um, but I don't like much else that I see there. You know, they've got DJ Moore, who I absolutely love as a wide receiver. And I think he could have been the same sort of bracket that Calvin Ridley got himself into if he had someone to throw him the ball. And um, he hasn't. And he probably hasn't now with uh, Baker Mayfield, to be honest. So I'm going to say that we're going to beat the Panthers. Okay. Um, yeah, I took Christian McCaffrey um, first of all in one of my fantasy drafts about two years ago. I still have him now, but as you say, whenever he did start a game, he got me so many points on fantasy. And um, I still managed to win my, one of my leagues with him in still. Um, but I wouldn't take him now in the first round of a draft if you were going to. I think I'm in a few drafts at the moment and I, I think the last person I would take in my first pick would be Christian McCaffrey just because of that uncertainty. Second, third round, take him absolutely. But I think for a first round pick, just can't really put your money on it, really. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Uh, week nine is a game at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, can't see us getting anything from that. The Chargers are another young team with a really good quarterback, really good offensive options. Um, so I think that'll be a one-sided game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That name, Justin Herbert, still haunts me to this day because he could have taken him fifth overall. Um, ten, uh, week 10, even, is once again against the Panthers, but this time on the road. Um, yeah, I'd like to say that we'd win this again. <clears throat> As I'm looking down this and thinking about things and... Christian McCaffrey and knowing the Falcons aren't going to be brilliant themselves, I guess. The easiest way to look at these is to say that we'll split the two games. So we'll win at home, they'll win at home for them. Okay. And then week 11, back at home, this time against the Chicago Bears. Um, yeah, can definitely see us winning that one. I don't think the, the Bears are, you know, particularly brilliant. Um, I love the trade last season when they traded up and got Justin Fields, but yeah, they just seem to be in a bit of no man's land right now. So I'm going to say that we'll uh, we can win that game. Okay, and then week twelve is a road game against the Washington Commanders. Yeah. Washington are another team that I like. Um, you know, Antonio Gibson um, at running back, McLaurin, Logan Thomas at tight end, who, you know, has started to really show some promise um last couple of years until he got injured last season. Defensively as well, they're strong. Um, but I think they're a team, again, that's not sorted out their quarterback situation um, and I think a, a better quarterback there could elevate them slightly um, so I think it's one of those that's a coin toss so I'm going to stick my neck out and say we can win it I think that'll be our five games 
think that's five games after they will win. I think uh, I think that is. Uh, I know actually we've got Pittsburgh in week thirteen. Mm. That could be a winnable game as well. Um, yeah, because you've got a bye week after that Pittsburgh game in week fourteen. Then you've got a horrendously last four games. You've got Saints away. Baltimore on the road and then two home games against Cardinals and the Bucks. I mean, personally, I can't see any wins out of those last four games. Um, no, neither can I. I think from after the Bears, uh, any wins that we could get are going to be Washington and Pittsburgh. Um, I'm going to stick my neck out and say we'll win one of those two games to take us to a win total of five. Which way around? I'm not sure. I could see us winning both. I could see us losing both. Um, so it's a real tough one. But I agree with you after the bye week. I think our season is going to be done. I think we'll uh, lose the Saints. Then the Ravens, Cardinals and Tampa Bay are, you know, they are in another league of quality to, to where we are right now. Okay, so that means your record will be, at the end of the season, a 5-12 and 12 record, which is now the joint record for our lowest fan prediction so far. So you're now level with Seahawks fan Javan. Um, who also gave a 5 and 12 record for his team with Panthers fan Keg, the third lowest with a 7 10 record predictor for his team. So, yeah, I mean, that's not a good season, but that will probably get you, I'd imagine, um, the third or fourth or fifth overall pick in next year's draft. Obviously, if it came to that point and you had a that, that higher pick, where would you go in a draft? Obviously, it's all depending on who comes out of college this year the best, but from a way too early point of view, what sort of position would you look at with that um, <clears throat> early round pick? I think, you know, if, you've got to be looking at, if you're going to be around there, you've got to be looking at um, CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. But I think picking fourth or fifth, they're going to be gone, long gone. So, then you've got to look, you know, sort of elsewhere. And I don't know. I think we've got a lot of young players in a lot of areas. Um, I think if Calvin Ridley comes back, we'll be okay at wide receiver. Kyle Pitts, obviously, is going to be a long-term tight hand, hopefully. We really need to look at our offensive and defensive line. They're both areas that, you know, our offensive line is... You know, it's got holes everywhere. It's like Swiss cheese. Players just run through the gaps. Um, and we've not really tried to address that this season at all, which is worrying. And our defensive line, um, I think we ranked lowest in sacks last season, last in quarterback pressures. Um, and then they're two areas that, can really make or break a team and help strengthen you on offense and change games for you on defense. So if it's not going to be a quarterback, depending who's there, who comes out of college, um, I think for me it's got to be offensive or defensive line. No, I, I do reckon even without, if you have to save up the fifth or fourth overall pick, this is all dependent, of course, on how they feel about Ridder come next year. But I think the worst teams could be, I think the worst team will be the Bears. I don't think they'll... Uh, get rid of Chesterfield after two years. I think the Jags, could, I think Jags back improve, but they could easily be the early pick and they've got Trevor Lawrence, future quarterback. And then Texans, I think, are one, but if Davis Mills performs, I think they could keep with him. And then the one is Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are the one team that would take a quarterback early because, let's face it, if Drew Locke and Gina Smith is your quarterback room, 
they're not going to do well unless they get someone. They, they could even get Jimmy G mid-season. So I think you could easily have the fifth overall pick and get a quarterback because of the fact that I think the worst teams this season may all be happy with their quarterback, which is not the rest of the team. So you never know. But obviously, it all depends on how Ridder performs in games, if he plays or if he performs in, in the practice field. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, if you look at what a lot of the mainstream media are saying, everyone's got the Falcons bottom of the power rankings. Everyone's got the Falcons picking number one overall next season. <coughs> I don't know why, but people do seem to be really underestimating us. I think our roster is better now than what it was last season. I think the coaching staff have had an extra year. Um, I don't think we're the worst team in the league. Um, but, you know, what do I know, really? But we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. But, you know, if we are picking number one overall, I really think that somebody like CJ Stroud or Bryce Young is, whether Ridder plays well or not, it's going to be too good an opportunity to miss. I think that's the same for the Texans as well. I admire them for what they've done with Davis Mills. Um, you know, he's come in, he's played well with not a lot, he's, showed some promise and they're going to give him an opportunity next year. But even if he plays well and they don't, and they think we could stick with this guy to see how he progresses. I think if they're picking in the top one or two, that opportunity still for them is going to be too good to miss. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go for Falcon third overall, Seahawks second overall and Bears first overall. So, um, should be an exciting season. But thank you once again, Rob, for coming on for our Atlanta Falcons season preview. Do check out his work on the Third and Gold podcast. Uh, what we look forward to coming up in the next few weeks, Rob? Um, well, we're just running through. We've just done all our NFC divisional previews. Um, we just started the AFC divisions last night. So I've got to upload that. Um, no, I have uploaded it. I've got to tweet it after I've finished here. Um, so the next three weeks, we'll be going through the AFC, um, East, South and West divisions. And then from there, we've not really looked at it yet, but I guess we're gearing up into pre-season then and training camp and all the news that's coming out of there before we head into week one. So I'm sure they'll, uh, once we've rounded these up, there'll be plenty to talk about. Yeah, I'll definitely be listening to the AFC East preview to see where you rank us coming into the season. <laughs> or even the whole of that AFC, because that is such a hard conference to predict. So I'm looking forward to that. But this has been the Atlanta Falcons season preview. This has been Andy. This has been our guest, our Falcons fan, Rob. And we will see you guys for our next season preview. Thanks a lot, Andy. No problem. <laughs>